Good morning. My name is Caleb Hellman. I am this year's student body president at Bethany Seminary, which is right here on campus. If you don't know where it is, it's right down past Gullickson Hall across from the softball field. And on behalf of the seminary, I'd like to invite any young men who are interested in learning more about the pastoral ministry, or really any person who is inquisitive, to come this Sunday evening at 5.30 for our seminary open house. We'll have food and a presentation. And I'd like to invite specifically today kind of the young men who, when they think about being a pastor, the first thing that pops into their brain is just how much time you'd have to spend in front of people presentations and Bible studies, and then, of course, most of all, preaching. And if you really don't like being the center of attention, that can be an intimidating thought. But consider this, it's really the job of a pastor to avoid being the center of attention, to turn people away from you, their gaze away from you, away from themselves, and towards Jesus the Savior. So it's on that note that we will hear a presentation entitled Christ-Centered Preaching, and again, that takes place this Sunday evening at 5.30. We'll eat, we'll have pizza right away, and then around 6, the presentation will start. It should wrap up around 7. We hope to see you there. <clears throat> Free food. That's always a good thing. And... Uh, to, uh, to a couple of follow-ups to that. If you haven't had a chance to take the walk to the seminary, you should do that because uh, even if it has nothing to do with your life, there's a beautiful chapel there. It's a, just, it's a little gem uh, here, and it's a secret. And there's a fine library in the basement, which is also best kept a secret. So, uh, so take the time sometime in the course of the year to go out there. And then when you're out there, you can go and visit the uh, ELS Museum, the Otteson Museum, which is in, looks like a house, but it's full of treasures. So you should take advantage of that. Open up, please, now to number 532. And let's stand and sing stanzas one and two.
Have a seat, please. This, uh, this particular hymn is based on a couple of texts from Scripture. First of all, the one from Job, where Job makes that amazing confession, I know that my Redeemer is a stupendous thing. If it's Job 19, uh, take a look at that chapter because he's just in the middle of this horrible diatribe against his supposed friends. And then, boom, almost out of nowhere comes this fabulous confession of faith in that there is a Redeemer and that in the last day he will stand on the earth and that even though the worms devour my body, yet in this flesh, pinch it, it's going to go away, it's going to come back, I will see God with these eyeballs. Oh, it's kind of graphic. Um, <laughs> but, it, but it is, it just it, the, way it, it, the way it pops up, it's, it's like this stupendous light. Um, and it's also based on 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and some of them have kind of, you know, they've been waiting a long time, and they've decided to give up on this idea of the resurrection. And, and he says, you know, you can't do that, because the resurrection is the cornerstone of your faith. Now, if we take a look at uh, 3, 4, and 5, uh, 5 especially, the idea, you know, think about Jesus after the resurrection. And there was that episode with Thomas uh, and the episode outside of the tomb uh, where people recognized him again. We're, we're going to see one another. It's amazing. Three, four, and five. Stand up because you sing so well. Two, ready, Go.
Have a seat, please, and would you get out your devices? You must have a phone or something there. Yeah? No, whatever, your pacemaker. <laughs> uh, and I'd like you to look up Johann, J-O-H-A-N-N, Krieger, C-R-U-E-G-E-R. It should come up. Find a picture of him if you could. He's the guy who wrote the tune. And he was also a contestant for the best mustache in the 17th century competition. Do you find him? Johan Krieger, do you find a picture of him? Yeah, and it's, you might end up with some weird guy who's in Germany today, but no. Find Johan Krieger, the hymn writer. And um, uh, the Wikipedia article about him is quite good. I know we're not ever supposed to say that, but it's very helpful. So do you find the, the mustache picture? Yeah, isn't that cool? Who has a mustache like that? Anyway, he was, in the, in the story of uh, the music of the church, and the Lutheran church specifically, I had an amazing gift for being able to write hymn tunes. Now that seems like, if you're a composer, writing a hymn melody is one of the most mundane, stupid things you can do. But think about it. You have to create a melody that on one hand supports the text and on the other hand is fairly immediately accessible to a group of unrehearsed singers. Not a choir that's had a chance to practice, but people who are there in the room singing. And he had a real knack for this. Uh, we are fortunate, uh, certainly for this melody, uh, but for many others, and his uh, buddy, you know, the Rodgers and Hammerstein of the Lutheran Church, uh, the Sound of Music people, uh, his buddy was Paul Gerhardt. And they both taught in the same place. They were both in Berlin, uh, which at that time was becoming more and more of an important center of uh, political life in Germany. Now, if you look at the top of the hymn there where it talks about, we're going to talk about Krieger a little bit more too. I have nothing but time. Um, you see it comes in a collection that was published in 1653. This is at the upper left-hand corner of the page. And this particular collection, it was a hymn book with a very rather unwieldy title. Um, Dr. Martin Luther's spiritual songs and hymns along with other hymns by other theologically trained men is what it was called. And at that time in, in Berlin, Protestantism was divided. And the idea that we have, of course, we've all grown up with in this country, freedom of religion, it doesn't matter if your neighbor's a Methodist or, a, or Amish or whatever, you know, we, we are all here, we're getting along. Well, it wasn't so much that way then. And the, the big battle in the area the city of Berlin and outside of that, the region, was between the Lutherans, who sometimes could be very mean, and those uh, followers of that other branch of Protestantism, the Calvinians, who, who followed a, a, a slightly different teaching, especially on certain things. Uh, but what happens is this book is published in 1653 as a hymn book, not necessarily for use in church, you know, we think about that sometimes, that the hymn book is only for use in church, and that's so silly, because it's a, it's a tremendous devotional tool to, to use in your own life and your own home. And um, 
the, the woman who commissioned this book wanted a book that had texts that both those groups could agree on, not going to offend anybody, and that they could use this in the hope that they might find ways to be together. I, you know, when you read about that period of history in that place, I just wonder how many Romeo and Juliet stories happened because, you know, my family's reformed, yours is Lutheran, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to, anyway. Uh, and there was, a, a, sometimes there was vitriol taken even to the pulpit. You know, I think about what happens here in this pulpit and very rarely, I don't think in all the years I've been at Bethany, have I ever heard a specific group, another denomination, isolated for attack. We, do, we just don't do that. We, we may try to sneak around a little bit, but, uh, but we don't do that because you can't, that's not a winsome way to, to preach Christ. Um, and so there was a difficulty there. This, these were two groups, and in some cases, they really disliked one another. So the idea of having a book that people could use at home that all saying the same text together, I mean, there's very little in this text that I, don't, I can't think of anybody who's in a Christian denomination that couldn't sing this text. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing text. So that's that. Um, in terms of, of Johann Krieger, again, take a quick gander at 292. Keep your finger in 532 because we're coming back to that. 292. And this is, a, this is an example of those, uh, for any of you that grew up in the Lutheran ghetto, um, and even if you didn't, this is an amazing tune. Look, look what he does. How he, he has this tendency in the last section, which he does in this one, and it just takes off. Bum, 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 bum. All the way up. So we're singing from, I think our, we sing from a middle C up to that E. I mean, that, that's a big range. Now this one, look at 292. You can hum along if you want to. Invites the singer to just. Then also open up to 341. Here he, he does the same kind of deal. He's just such a clever fellow. Uh, and, and it's a fairly sophisticated music, but again, it's, it's sophisticated, but it is music that works with a congregation. Uh, in fact, let's, this is such a good one, let's sing, uh, sing the first stanza, because the last line is one of those, again, where he just takes us up to the top of the, of the mountain and has us look around. Ready? Stanza one.
yeah, that last phrase there is just is astonishing musically and how it pairs up with the text. And of course, it's by our good friend Paul. Paul Gerhardt, he had a way with a word. Uh, now, let's stand and conclude with um, stanzas 9 and 10. I love number 9, where the laugh to scorn the gloomy grave. Arr, arr. So stand up. And singing is like laughter. And sometimes singing makes me laugh. Uh, right, choir? Very moments. God, keep us steadfast in that faith, that faith in the glorious resurrection.